I ever sense the, uh, the Lord wanting to work on our hearts tonight has uh, been a plan that he's been, you know, he's been waiting for for a little while. Um, one of the distinctives about Pentecostal church was always the, uh, the prayer room um, that was beside the main hall. Uh, Christopher Lamb wrote about this recently and he, he, he talks about uh, the Pentecostal churches and uh, there'd be a group of believers that would miss the entire service just to pray for what was happening in the service and speaks about it that they, they would earnest believers who would intercede during the preaching and the service where prayer would continue long after the benediction had been pronounced. The powerhouse of the assemblies. Everything else was counted as secondary importance in the church's program. But we have prayer in church these days. There's a handful of people turn up. As for missing the service, I mean, surely we want the word of God. But you know when... We've been leading uh, prayer at Faith Camp and other places. Uh, usually what happens though would, would be that God would give us the very things to pray out that the preachers pr- preached. Uh, not that we controlled the preaching through our prayer, but the prayer that was, pre- that was worked out before the service. But I think that to go to a whole new level where actually we got prayer during the service, oh my goodness... You know, we would really start to see some miracles. And uh, I've heard from Peter and Dave and various others that have been up in the prayer rooms recently. And there's been that sense of that again. Uh, things happening in the, pre, in the pre-prayer meeting. When no one's talked about the preachers not involved in it. But things are prayed out there in that secret place that then happen here. I understand there are things that we preachers, whoever that is at the front, we cannot preach unless it's prayed out first. There's, there's, there's something special about what God is trying to get us to wake up to. Ah. Uh, you know, uh, if anyone's read uh, any of Finney's books, you know, Father Nash went and he prayed, and people wondered what on earth was going on, because two or three weeks before the meetings happened, he was praying, and it was like something like war was going on. He was praying heaven down into the place, and there's a, there was a change of atmosphere that when Finney then got up to preach. It, was, it wasn't just give your life to Christ. It was depart from your old life. Because God's got something completely different. It's not going to even look the same. And I, I was really impressed by that, with what Bob said this morning, um, about the name changes. The name changes. Abram, Abraham. Jacob, Israel. Simon, Peter, Saul, Paul, 
You know, there's, there's something distinctive. It's no longer Alan, it's Alan in Christ. There's a, there's a difference. There's a difference. And that's what leadership's really about. And, uh, you know, I just, as we were preparing, and we've been preparing all week, but, you know, just some of the things. So I, I don't want you to just turn with me to uh, John 13. This is leadership. This is what it's about. It's about us agreeing with God about the call on our lives. Isn't it? That he has called every single one of us to lead people. There's not supposed to be a single pew filler in this church. Okay? Look at those chairs. They are to be full and more. Because God's got a person or people for each one of us to lead. And we need to pray them in. We need to call them in. We need to do whatever it takes. Okay, in John 13, it, was, it says in verse 1, it says, Just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. That's amazing picture, you know. Jesus wanted to show the full extent of his love. Wanted to show the full extent of his love. That's what leadership's about. It's about showing the full extent of the love of God that God's put in us. People really receiving. And it says that uh, the evening meal was being served. In verse 3 it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and he had come from God and is returning to God. Do you understand what that means? I, I stand here as a leader, as the pastor of this church at this time and this season, knowing that God puts the leadership of this place in my hands. That whoever I raise up is a leader. Whoever I don't raise up is not a leader. There's a, there's a, there's a responsibility. There's a, if I don't see something, you know, it's, if I miss opportunities... It's, it's, it's on me. You know, those, those of us who teach, we're judged twice. You know, it's a dangerous thing to be a leader. Your, 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 your life isn't your own. You live in a goldfish bowl. And most of the time, the rewards are not here and now. Most people rubbish your teaching or have plenty of ideas of uh, how it could be improved. That's the reality. The reality is, half the reason I, I hide away at times and I'm not very talkative after services that is because I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable to comments. That's, that's, it's hard. You walk off, the anointing has kind of leaves and actually you're... The vulnerability, did I preach? Did I, did I, did I miss the mark? I, Lord, I feel that was worthless. I feel like no one listened. I, I feel that my words hit the ground. Father, because uh, I want to see more. Even when things are amazing and people are coming up and me going, that was amazing word. I'm like, inside I'm like, 
And still that wasn't good enough, Lord. Still, you wanted, not enough people got touched. Still, do you understand? It's, but Jesus, knowing that God of the Father put all things under his power, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. And then he says in verse 12, when he finished washing his feet and he put his clothes on and returns, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is leadership. This is Jesus showing the full extent of his love to you and to me and going, this is how you lead. Servant. Washing. Lowering yourself for others. That's, uh, that's just amazing. I, 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 God keeps bringing me back in again and again to this. Because it says that the Father put all things in Jesus' power. So how did he use that complete, total authority? He used it to be a servant. So that's, this is security. This is a leadership is about security. It's security in who we are in Christ. But it's a security before the Father that you don't actually have to promote yourself. And that's the hard thing because at the same time you are constantly promoting the Lord and you're trying to big up the church and what God's doing. And and yet the reality is there isn't a single thing I can do to build this church. Jesus said he would do it. He would build the church. My job is to help us focus us on seeking the kingdom. So whether the church grows or not is up to him. Yeah? Our job, seek the kingdom. Do what he says. So I, I just, you know, as we were as we were just thinking about this, Jesus, you see, he understood his call. That's what God's working on us, isn't he? He's been getting us to understand the call on our lives. He understood his timing. He knew the time was for him to go to the Father. So he speaks about what the Holy Spirit's going to do. I'm going to the Father. I'm going. And when I go, I'm going to send another helper. The Spirit of truth. The one who will take from what is mine and make it known to you. There's, 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 there's special things that happen this e- on that evening. He understood total submission. Everything's placed in his hands. How did he use that total authority? Submit. God gave him that total freedom. The father was sitting back, not active, waiting for the son to do what the son was going to do. 
Do you know there's times when God sits back and waits for us to make the, mo- the move? He's given us the authority. He's given us all the, the, the vision. But unless you step out, unless you do what he says, deliverance can't happen. Miracles can't happen. And it's us, not him, that's the issue. In John 12 and uh, verse 49 and 50, I was reading the uh, NLT this morning, and it said, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. He doesn't just say what he says that the Father's saying. He knows why to say them. The words the Father gives him to say lead to eternal life. That's his Jesus' confidence. That's our confidence as leaders. God's given me something to say that's going to release. It's going to release life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and truth. (laughs) But they weren't his words. That's what he was saying as well. I only say what the Father tells me to say. And he tells me what to say and how to say it. Mm. So, and so we was, as we've been preparing and across this week, there's just been a couple of things that's been going around my uh, heart. Uh, I've shared them with a couple of small, couple of people a couple of times. But if you read the story of Samson in Judges, uh, Judges uh, 13, Samson was a miracle baby. Judges 13, we have uh, a couple who are barren, can't have kids, and an angel visits them. Visits the woman, she tells her husband, the husband prays and says, Lord, if that's you, send the, the man back to give us instructions. It's the best way to operate. God gives you a gift, ask him for the instructions. <laughs> and God gives you vision, gives you ministry ideas. He wants you to find out what to do with that. So God gives them uh, some clear instructions. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's not to drink. He's not to shave his head, cut his hair at all. Samson is uh, is consecrated from birth, set aside for the plan of God. But there's a problem. He never once learns to submit to God. He never becomes anything more than a man of God. He never becomes God's man. Because his desires are all that he follows. He follows his own heart, his own desires, his own plans. He does things his way. So incredible strength, able to kill God's enemies, able to uh, bring a change, able to... Break out of a city that uh, 
He was surrounded and just literally pick up the gates of a city, hoist them on his shoulder with the gateposts and everything and just march out up a hill. Boom. We kind of read this stuff and we kind of like, really? Like, that kind of sounds a bit kind of crazy. But he, he kills a lion with his bare hands. We read about that in, in uh, Judges 14. And uh, in, in, in there, in Judges 14, uh, 14 uh, verse 8 and 9, it says that after a while, after he killed this lion, he went back a few days later, or we aren't exactly sure where, and it, he finds that there's bees are made a hive in the carcass. And he bends down and he takes some of the honey out of that carcass. And he eats it. And he gives it to his parents. I don't know if you're aware, but even touching that carcass was touching the unclean. He was a man of compromise who didn't honor the anointing on his own life. He was a man who, though he was full of anointing, never inquired after God. You never read him anywhere inquiring after God. He does his own thing. But when he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass, he gave it to his parents. He made others unclean, not just himself. His leadership caused his parents to be unclean before the Lord. And see, what happens is that lack of consecration leads to uncleanness, leads to a loss of vision. Because actually he had the command of the Lord to deliver the nation, but never walked in the vision of God, and he lost his physical vision. As you read through the rest of what happens, the woman that he desires, he puts her before the Lord. He puts, even, he's commanded not to uh, go after anyone that's not from Israel. So where does he go? He goes to the Philistines to go and get a woman. And eventually she gets him, uh, gets the secret of his strength out of him. Yes, he kills loads of people in his death, but he lost his vision as a result. Compromise, uncleanness, loss of vision. What a contrast. What a contrast. You see, when we read about King David, it says that he led with integrity and skillfulness of hands. Psalm 78, verse 72. We read in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 to 37, it says he killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. You realize, the anointing on Samson was the same anointing David had. What teenager do you know that can rip apart bears and lions with their bare hands? The only other person we hear about doing it, Samson. Interesting, isn't it? But there's something different about David. 
Samson was supposed to be a deliverer for his nation. David became the king that led his nation to, into the fullness of all the plans. Under David, Israel gained all the territory that they were promised. The only king that had the whole territory promised. I suppose Solomon kind of lived in the benefit of that. But we read about David killing Goliath. But when he gets ready to kill Goliath, he picks up five stones. He picks up something about the future. See, David was a man who understood the future when he was dealing with the current reality. Those five stones, and this is, this, I find this intriguing. Samson, his anointing never went beyond him. David, his anointing, he seems to have this same strength. He gets a bunch of malcontents, everybody that was in debt, everyone that was in trouble, all the outlaws come to him and he makes them mighty men. He takes the useless and makes them worthy. What we read about is in, in 1 Samuel 21, we read about what David's men did to giants. David was a giant killer and his men became giant killers. Those four other stones, were, were, those five stones were the five giants of Gath. If you read about it, there were five giants, not just Goliath. David killed the one that was in front of him. But those other four stones, they were transferred. Other people killed those guys. We need to understand there is an anointing and grace upon us as leaders that must be transferred. The other generations pick up. Those around us pick up. They start to live at the same level or beyond where we are. It is not enough for them to come up to our level. It is critical and crucial they surpass us. This is leadership, God's style. Jesus, it's not good enough that I stay with you. If I go, something great is going to happen. He's getting them ready for the, you are going to do greater things than me. Wow. I want us to understand this is our model of leadership. This is true leadership. This is what Jesus said. Servanthood was the way forward. David understood something that Samson never got his head around or his heart around. David understood, I've got to see the whole kingdom. He chased after God's heart. David kept inquiring of the Lord. That's the difference. Again and again, if you, if you read through one, uh, 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, uh, Chronicles, all the rest of it, just underline how many times it says, David inquired of the Lord. Samson never did. Tremendous power. David's men were able to stand in a lentil field 
with a sword or a goad and a this and a, some, some crazy implements and stand against thousands. One guy fought so much that his, his hand fused to the sword. <laughs> but he doesn't say he fell over. It says that he stood. And this is what we read about in, in Ephesians 6. Having done all stand. Having done all stand. Having done all stand. The enemy isn't getting past us. That's right. We'll do whatever it takes so that others get the victory that Christ has given us. This, this is what we have tonight. That's what, that's what the fill me afresh, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. You know, the, the cry of our hearts. Isn't it? I want to be used. That means sacrifice. David constantly sought the Lord. In, in, we read about it in 1 Samuel 23 and 1 Samuel 30. He finds strength in God. He, when everything's lost, he, he inquires of the Lord. David kept on doing this. And, and that's, that, these evenings, these encounter evenings, they are so crucial for us as a church. Okay? The leadership of this church needs to be here seeking God. Otherwise, why bother being church? Do you know what I mean? We, we need to take it seriously. If we really want the prayer and the miracles and all the things happening, lives delivered, we have got to pay the price. If we don't, the future generation will be lost. To understand the time and the season we're in is a time when more people have been saved out of Islam than at any other time in history. Fantastic. They're trying to bomb us out of place and they're losing. Do you understand? Islam's losing. That's why they're so mad. Devil hates losing, but he's a loser. That's his his nature to lose. He never wins. Do you understand? He cannot win because God's already won. So it doesn't matter what goes on with us. We win. We win. Not just the end of the story, we win today. Do you, do you understand? You win in your family just because you came tonight. Something happens. Coming to, not to hear me, but to encounter God. Your family is in a better place. And not just your kids. But your parents, your uncles, your wider family. Just because you came tonight, God will do things on your behalf. Because he's your father. David did things and it enabled the replication throughout a nation of warriors. He won 
he taught his men to win, they killed giants. That, that, when we're saying yes to God tonight, that's what it's about. Brokenness isn't a word that we like much in our faith circles. Because you know, it hasn't got made us whole. That, that's right. But you see, it's a broken people that he uses. There's treasure inside. It's in earthen vessels. Uh, there's a, the, it's not about me. It's about him in me. There's a, there's a right balance there. I'm, I am who I am in Christ. But Alan has to get out of the way so that Christ can be revealed. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a truth here. You know, Alan, Alan will never get it right, but Christ in Alan, oh my goodness. That's amazing. So that's what, that's David. David replicated leadership. God wants to replicate through you, not just through me, leadership. I want you to dare to believe this. I want you to begin to speak this. I'm a leader who replicates leaders. I'm a leader who replicates leaders. I'm a visionary who replicates vision. The things that God's shown me is what I speak. And the things as I speak them, he shows me new things. It's exciting. Do you believe that when, they, when you speak to people in life groups, when you speak to the, the visitor that comes into church, the first time visitor, the second time, the person who returns that you haven't seen for ages, do you believe that when you go and you say hi, you're going to bring a word into their lives? Because I probably won't. They'll probably run if I start coming. This is the reality. There was someone here this morning, and I, I went to try and speak to them, and the more I tried to speak to them, the more they closed down. So I, I set Abby and Chris on them. <laughs> you, you are leaders. This, this is not fantasy. This is reality. This grace. I don't want to be a Samson. I don't want to use the anointing for myself. I want to be more like David or more like Jesus, actually. You know, Jesus faced those same things. Use the anointing for yourself. You're hungry. Use the anointing to make a show. Use the anointing to shortcut things. And we're not. We're not going to use that, are we? David was secure in the Lord. Jesus was secure in the Lord. David didn't do his own thing, and nor did Jesus. I only... Let's just read what those words said again. I don't speak on my own authority... I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. And because I know his commands lead to eternal life, I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Wow. 
Just close your eyes. Just Father. Thank you for life. Thank you your words are life. They're spirit and life. They're spirit and life. Now thank you for giving us your word and teaching us us how to be secure in you, Lord. Show us our security really is in you. How was the minister out of wholeness? And out of brokenness. 